Welcome to the Pro Aging Podcast. I'm Steve Gurney, founder of the Positive Aging Sourcebook. We're excited that you can join us for our interactive discussions with pioneers and thought leaders on a wide variety of topics related to aging and longevity. Today, we had an interactive discussion with tons of questions with John Norse on Medicare. John is the founder of the Medicare Portal, and his passion lies in developing a team approach with his clients to resolve both simple and complex Medicare challenges, which you will hear on this podcast. So let's jump into the conversation with John Norse. Before we dive into the topic, let's get to know you a little bit better. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to become such an expert in this area. Well, I think like most of us, we're lifelong learners, especially with a program that changes as much as Medicare, but uh, been an insurance professional for over three decades. About four years ago, saw the real niche in our marketplace for the need for Medicare counseling for individuals. So I launched the uh, my company about four years ago. We're, we're very fortunate to have grown to over 20 people now in our organization. We service uh, from Florida all the way up through New York uh, into Tennessee, Texas. So we serve a large footprint. Um, for those that are unfamiliar with us, we are a licensed insurance agent certified to perform Medicare uh, services. There's no cost for our services. We're compensated by the various insurance companies. So we kind of keep it simple. We're located in Tyson's Corner, but we do service here locally the best because we have our uh, access with our local agents that are also licensed and certified. Another thing that's unique is we are multilingual. We have agents that can help with Medicare in languages like Spanish, Arabic, Korean, Chinese. So we, we are very passionate about helping all uh, people with their Medicare benefits. Great. Um, well, th this is this is awesome. And this is a topic that, as you could hear from uh, Rita, uh, there's already questions coming in yeah. for you. So just yeah. out of curiosity, before you jump in addressing Rita's question, is there anything on the horizon or are there some benefits to provide transportation? Yep. Via Medicare? So, so you'll hear me use the term original Medicare, that's Medicare A and B. That does not provide for transportation. However, Medicare Advantage, as a generic title, there are companies that provide Medicare Advantage plans, which as you'll see are the equivalent of Medicare, but operated by private insurance companies. And there are a number of them that offer transportation. Uh, also for those that work in the dual special needs uh, market, the Medicare Medicaid, there is inherent uh, transportation built into the Medicaid program, but uh, they're the dual special needs programs offered by the insurance companies will enhance those number of visits. So for someone say on dialysis or something, it may improve the number of visits that they get by enrolling in a dual special needs program. Um, but that's a subset of Medicare, so to say. Okay. Um, it might be a good idea for you to kind of just jump in yeah. and, and before we, and Anne, I see you've got a question there. We'll make sure that we, we address that. But I think it'd be better to start with an overview, sort of give us an overview and then we'll kind of dive in. And um, John, if, uh, if, if a question comes into something that you've talked, uh, when you pause, I'll jump in and, and get it. And yeah. then- um, uh, What I'll do, Steve, is I'll tap the brakes. I just know where I standard can stop after I've probably thrown a lot of information. We could field questions and then I can tap the brakes again and then open the questions at the end. I did write down Ann's question that will be answered 
in the commentary that I do. So when I get there, I'll make sure I, I emphasize that she should pay attention. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, we'll get through this. Awesome. I love it. All right. I'm going to duck behind the curtain here and let Thanks, you know. Yep. Let me just share my screen and we'll be going. Uh, share screen. All right. And let me get back to the top and let me turn off my camera. All these things I need to do. Um, anyway, good morning, everyone. Uh, again, Steve, thank you for having me. Uh, my, my, you know, my pleasure to share my Medicare knowledge with everybody on this uh, meeting today. Again, we'll keep it casual and interactive. If you have questions, please don't be afraid to ask them. Um, for those that may want to contact me afterwards, that's my office number here locally, and I'll put my email on at the end. So real quick, because those that know me here, I, I kind of like humor, especially something as dry as Medicare. So I always like to say, if you're not confused, you're not paying attention. That, that's kind of what Medicare or summarizes what Medicare is all about. Um, my goal is today for you to learn a couple things, Medicare eligibility, Medicare enrollment. What is Medicare? There's technically four parts, what a Medigap or Medicare supplement is. Give you an idea of what the cost could be and then how to get help for those that need help with Medicare. Um, for those that are unfamiliar with the eligibility requirements, um, quickly, you have to be a U.S. citizen or legal resident. You must be in the States for five years in a row. Um, you technically should be 65 or older. However, if you do have certain qualifying disabilities, you can qualify for Medicare prior to 65. And at any age, if you're diagnosed with end-stage renal or Lou Gehrig's disease, you are basically instantly eligible. For those that aren't familiar with what Medicare actually is, uh, Medicare is health insurance for, again, that population of eligible people, typically 65 and older. As I mentioned, there are four parts, A, B, C, and D, and we'll go over those. Um, for those that are familiar with original Medicare term, that is A and B. That was the building blocks of Medicare created in 1966. Part C, which is Medicare Advantage, technically was added in 1997. Those are the all-inclusive plans, like I mentioned. And then in 2006, we added the prescription drug benefit because, as we all know, prescription drugs were kind of getting out of control with costs. And while they still are, it's been an attempt to at least rein in the costs for seniors. I show this early in my presentation because I think it's a way to simplify and kind of alleviate some of the anxiety and stress of how complex Medicare is. Ultimately, when you join Medicare, there are two options to receive your benefits. Now, what I will say, two options here, this is for the majority of people. If you have VA benefits or TRICARE, those would interact with A and B. You wouldn't need some of the stuff I'm talking about. If you have FEHB, with, I saw someone mentioning about FEHB, you can get A and B with just uh, FEHB. But for the majority of people, the majority of the people you're providing care to, what I'm going to discuss today will be their two options. So their first option is going to be staying on what's called original Medicare, the A and B, and that would be their primary payer of all their medical claims. So as long as they see a provider anywhere in the country and the District of Columbia that accepts Medicare, Medicare A and B would be their first payer of claims. They would also buy a prescription drug plan, a Part D plan, to resolve their prescription drugs. So they would have two cards kind of right out of the gate, A for their A and B red, white, and blue card, and a prescription drug card. What we would add to that, and I'll just get ahead. Well, let me just say, so that's one solve. The other solve is this Medicare Advantage, which would be an inclusive package 
of all your Medicare benefits. Instead of going to any provider in the country who accepts Medicare, now you're going to go use the network of an HMO or PPO type program. So the insurance company that sponsors the Medicare Advantage program would have a network. Some are local, some are national. But by signing up for a Medicare Advantage to receive the maximum benefits, they're going to encourage you to use in-network providers only. Now, Medicare Advantage offers the same medical benefits as original Medicare. They cannot water down your benefits, so they can't offer you lesser, but they can enhance your benefits by offering you prescription drug in the plan. And then we'll talk about it later, but they can do things like gym memberships, dental, vision, and hearing to kind of enhance your benefits. For those that are familiar with Medicare Advantage and even just managed care, that's what Medicare Advantage is. It's health insurance companies trying to help promote your health, which we know would relate to reducing future claims and costs. This is what it looks like as far as benefits go. If you enrolled in original Medicare, so you see original Medicare, part A is very simple. It's gonna cover really four areas, your hospital, your skilled nursing and rehab, hospice and home health care. That's part A, that's all it covers. So if you ever run into a client that only has part A, they're very limited in what benefits they're gonna get. Now, for most of us, as we'll see, there's no cost for that because you or your spouse has worked 10 years or 40 quarters, therefore erasing that financial liability in retirement. But Part A is very limited. Part B is really what health insurance is all about with Medicare. This is going to cover everything else, doctor visits, surgeries, labs, durable medical equipment, MRI, CAT scans, ER, urgent care, all those services, many that you provide are going to be billed to Medicare. There is a cost for Part B that you would pay regardless of whether you enroll in original Medicare or Medicare Advantage, you always have to pay your Part B benefits, uh, especially if you're going to do a Medicare supplements, we'll talk about in a second. So A and B are going to be the core building blocks of Medicare for those that want to stay on the government program. And then you're going to add the prescription drug plan. There's about 30 prescription drug plans available in Loudoun County, Fairfax County, uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, that's the confusing part of Medicare, believe it or not. It's very uh, one, uh, I guess, discipline that it provides self-administered medications, but it is confusing in that there's what's called four stages, there's five tiers, there's deductibles and other things I, I won't for time discuss today, but my point is we spend a lot of time helping your clients and other people with prescription drug. Very simple mail order or retail brand or generic operates just like most of your current prescription drug benefits. The other thing that's important to kind of focus on are formularies. I know you guys know those terms, uh, but formularies obviously play a big role in acquiring the proper Part D coverage. So assuming you bought uh, or enrolled in A and B and you want to use that as your primary payer claims, the most logical second step of that is you enroll in what's called the Medigap or Medicare Supplement Plan. This will work as a secondary payer. This product is offered or sponsored by private insurance companies. So the insurance company would slide into that second payer position where without a Medigap, you would slide into that second payer position. And for those that may be unfamiliar, just simply Part B Medicare after this year in 2021, a $203 deductible, Medicare will pay 80, you would be responsible for 20. By enrolling in a Medigap plan, it will address that balance of your claims after the $203 is paid. Um, as I said, it's 
uh, going to be provided by private insurance companies. So when you register with Medicare, your claim goes to Medicare, who would then kick it over to your supplement provider and adjudicate that claim and send you any patient responsibilities, for example, that $203 deductible. For those that sometimes might be confused, in uh, 2010, they became standardized. So letters like Plan F, no matter what company you buy it from, it's the same across the board. Plan G, the same across the board. These are some of the more common or popular plans. Uh, just so people understand that one plan, quote unquote, isn't better than the other. They provide the same medical benefits. Uh, for those that are curious on costs, I can't really give you costs, but what I can tell you is premiums will vary based on your age, your gender, smoker, a non-smoker, and your residence. Um, for those that may be familiar, women are always uh, cheaper than men uh, when it comes to medical care uh, premiums. Uh, for those that are in, interested in Medicare Advantage, uh, as you can see on the slide, really what you want to focus on is this red box. So everything to the left as you look at your screen, so part A, B, and D is now rolled up, as I mentioned, into this program. I, I'll highlight here a little bit deeper that these programs will offer things like dental, vision, hearing, gym membership, transportation, what's called an over-the-counter benefit, which actually gives you money every three months to buy health products that are over-the-counter. Again, the focus being on keep them, keeping people healthy. Um, some of the differences here quickly without highlighting them is these are going to operate like health insurance. So you'll have a $10 copay, a $20 copay. You go to PT, you're going to pay $20 every time. You go into the ER, you're going to pay you know, $50, $100. It's going to, it's going to operate similar to your health insurance today. The one thing about Medicare Advantage plans is they do have a maximum out of pocket. So if someone were to get cancer or something advanced for this year, the maximum they could pay would be 7,550 in this calendar year. However, plans can offer lower out of pocket maximum. But if you kind of listen to what I'm saying, this operates very much like a health insurance plan that you and I would have say pre-65 or, or pre-Medicare. Um, enrollment period, uh, I'll cover this and then we'll pause for a question. So this is the most important time that people should at least be thinking about Medicare and I'll explain why. For most of us, when we turn 65, this is known as the initial enrollment period. This is the time when you're first eligible for Medicare. It's gonna be the seven months that surround your 65th birthday. So you're eligible to enroll the three months prior, the month of, and three months after. So there's a seven month window. But one of the takeaways that's very important for you to understand is that if you apply three months prior to turning 65, your benefits will start on the first of the month. So I'm a September baby. If I apply in June, July, or August, I will start on September 1st. So to the left side there, if you see where I said, good job, using those three months, I'm good to go. If I miss September 1st for, for whatever reason, I'm going to start on October 1st. Why is that important? I just went 30 days without medical medical insurance other than part A, part A they can retro start, but part B they cannot. Why is that important? Because if I don't have B, I can't get a supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan. So I'm now exposed to about 80% of all my claims. It's not a good, uh, a good possibility. And then if you were to miss September in my case and enroll in October, November, December, your benefits wouldn't start till four to seven months after that September month. So for people that wanna wait, that's fine. However, it's not a wise decision to make because you are gonna be technically or potentially without health insurance. Now I will talk later briefly about working past 65, but what I'll do here, Steve, uh, let me cover this last slide and then we'll take questions. 
So if you are enrolling at 65, if you do receive social security benefits prior to 64 and nine months, you're automatically enrolled in A and B, you will get your red, white, and blue card prior to your birthday and you will be ready to go on the first of your birth month. If you do not receive social security, and this is where it gets complicated, you actually have to apply. You're not gonna get a notification from the government. They're not gonna send you a mailer or an email or a text message or even give you a phone call. Uh, you get no notifications from the federal government. And this is where we help our clients obviously get the uh, process started of applying for A and B so you don't get uh, pushed into those months four through seven and get delayed benefits. Um, how you apply during your IEP, you can go online. You can actually set up an SSA.gov account, do it yourself. You, uh, well, without COVID, you can go in person to the local offices. You can do it through the mail and mail it to your local office. And you can actually apply over the phone by calling uh, the national help number uh, listed on the, on the slide here. What I'll do is I'll stop there for a second. Steve, do we have any questions? Oh, yeah. No, we got tons of them. And um, so let me just I'll start right at the top. Um, so Pat Patricia Dubroff says, when will Medicare start covering home care? Um, it depends on what she means by covering home care. So there's, there's skilled nursing care, and then there's activities of daily living. So the activities of daily living, which many uh, people here, I'm sure their organizations provide, uh, you know, things for bathing and, and trans, uh, meals, uh, those kind of things, transportation around their home, that is not currently paid by Medicare. The skilled nursing, as uh, many providers here obviously provide nurses into the home, PT into the home, that is covered under Medicare. So uh, if she's talking about the ADLs currently, that's not covered by Medicare. Some Medicare Advantage plans nationwide are starting to introduce a minimum of 124 hours, maxed at four hours a day. So that would be 31 days at home following, say, a hospital discharge or something. So there are plans adopting those benefits. But for today, I can tell you that standardized, there's no uh, actual benefit from Medicare for home care. Um like so, a uh, so a home care provider, um, they might be able to connect with you to learn which Medicare Advantage plans do have a home uh, a home care benefit. Correct? Yeah, we could talk to about it. Sure, absolutely. Okay, cool. Okay, uh, somebody asks uh, dual special needs, lifelong learners, growing learning, willing student. Oh, okay. Please, so please explain dual special needs. Yep. So those are people. So for people that are new to this Medicare and even Medicaid. So the federal program is Medicare. The states run Medicaid. However, no state calls it Medicaid. In Virginia, it's known as Commonwealth Coordinated Care Plus or commonly called CCC Plus. CCC Plus is a program Medicaid predicated on your income. It's all financially driven. If you are at the lowest level of income, you would therefore qualify for Medicaid, which then qualifies you for Medicare. They would work together. And because of your economic situation, Medicaid would actually pay your Part B premium and a lot of other your out-of-pocket costs because of your economic situation. If you're above that dual special needs where you make too much uh, to qualify for dual, but you're yet not at 400% uh, of the, or you're above 400% of the uh, income bracket, and you're above that, you would qualify for potentially low income subsidy, which would help you with Part D uh, prescription drugs, and it could help you with Part B 
However, you're not considered the full dual, which is the lowest uh, income bracket that would qualify you for Medicare and Medicaid. Great. Um, let's see, Ralph, my friend, Ralph Sklorosk, I can never pronounce Ralph's last name correctly, um, says, we've had a major medical insurance policy for many decades, but I'm questioning whether it's still worthwhile after we have Medicare. Yeah, so that's going to be a decision that really you can't make. If you're a company that has less than 20 employees, the federal government determines that Medicare is your primary payer of claims and that your health insurance or, or secondary would be whoever you seek to carry. If you're over 20 employees, you can delay enrollment. And we'll talk about this, but you can delay enrollment into Medicare and not face any penalties. I'll talk more about that decision tree, but if you're under 20 people, you really have no choice in that. Oh, and, and Ralph, I know Ralph, I, I think he's referring to him personally, not as a company owner. So I believe he has a major medical program. Right, but if he, yep, so what I, I and again, I, I apologize, if, if you work for or own a company, doesn't matter, okay. under 20 employees, Medicare is considered primary at 65. Doesn't matter if you own it or work there. Under 20, Medicare is your primary. Okay, got it. Yep. Um, Great Carolyn, question. Carolyn Weiner, uh, what is the time limit for home care in Part A? I'm not sure what she means. I apologize. Time limit. Oh, maybe uh, how many how many hours or days of that benefit? Uh, anyways. Carolyn, if you want to elaborate on that. Yeah, we can get to it the next um, juncture. I'll stop again, obviously. Okay, uh, Sharon says, I'm working full-time and my husband is covered under my health plan. He will turn 65 this June. Does he need to sign up for Medicare during the sign-up period or can he delay signing up until I retire? Yeah, so that comes back to the size of her employer. If her employer's over 20 employees, he can delay enrollment into Medicare. He could consider part A, but he can delay part B. If our employer's under 20 people, he would have to get A and B. Okay. And then uh, Meryl Schaefer says, what happens if one signs up for Medicare AB at the appropriate time and does not need prescription coverage for several years later? Will there be a penalty for not taking it on from the beginning? Yeah, there is, I'm gonna cover that here in a second. Yes, there is a penalty. So rather than answer a question, I'll just cover it here in a minute. Okay. Um, if, if I'm 66 years old and have enrolled in Medicare Part A, my husband and I are, oh, oh, let's see. Okay. My husband and I are still working full time and I have full insurance benefits with my employer. As long as I have private insurance, I don't need any additional Medicare Advantage Part B, right? Yeah, that's correct. Assuming the employer's over 20, you can delay enrollment into part B completely and not worry about it until you actually lose those benefits. So whether it's going to part-time or fully retirement where you're no longer eligible for those corporate benefits, then at that point you would actually make the decision to enroll in Medicare. But again, that same over 20, other under 20 applies where Medicare is primary and health insurance is secondary. Okay, great. And then uh, Lynn Reed, who I think is with the Office on Aging is asking, how is your service different from VICAP or a federal ship? Yep, so the big difference is we're licensed insurance agents that can actually 
do the enrollment and then manage their accounts as a licensed insurance agent, both locally or nationally, if they move, transition them out of states. Um, they do a great job at VICAP and SHIP, and we're very grateful that they serve the communities like they do. Again, this, the tools and resources we use are very similar because it's a federal program. I mean, that's really what I can tell you the difference, okay. but we're, you know, we're all here to help seniors. Yeah, I think uh, a good analogy is, is that, you know, in our field, we're all out there trying to educate folks. And some people are coming from a for-profit, a nonprofit, yep. or a government uh, platform. Yeah. Again, they do a great job. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, <laughs> the, uh, all doing the same thing to help people. And let's see, Judy Wagner asks, can you repeat about the deadlines for enrolling? If you enroll before your birth month, does Medicare kick in during your birth month? Yes. So uh, the slides back up here. So I'm September. So if you visualize September right here, as long as I enroll in June, July or August, I will start on September 1st. And again, if you're on Social Security, that automatically happens. How you know that is when you actually get your red, white and blue card, it will have a part A and a part B effective date. So if you're doing both at 65, for me, it would say September 1st of whatever it would be 2035 for both A and B. If whatever your current age is, it would say A and B for start dates. Those can be different, obviously, for those working past 65. Their A and B benefit typically will be different because many will enroll at 65 and A only. Great. Okay. And then uh, Patricia Dubroff was just following up on the um, uh, home care by CNAs, not skilled, being covered by uh, Medicare. And I think one of the things, Patricia, on that is looking into the um, Medicare Advantage programs because it might be a benefit for some people in their Medicare Advantage, and that would be great. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's a yeah, Steve. There's a whole industry, obviously, of long-term care policies, and that's what long-term care covers. Obviously, a lot of people, the affordability of long-term care is not something that's you know readily available for them. So there is a gap in terms of their health care. I mean, I understand that from just a, a person in insurance for the last three decades. Um, the, the approach today has been very slow by the insurance companies to say offer something as robust as a full long-term care policy that someone could pay, you know, $5,000 or $3,000 a year premiums to accomplish. So mm -hmm. Medicare Advantage companies aren't necessarily running out to provide that equivalent of benefit. But I think everyone on this call knows that there's medical evidence that says if someone's discharged from the hospital and can receive home care while transitioning into their home, as well as get that skilled care, whatever they need, you know, typically the hospital readmissions are lower. And that's something that these insurance companies are looking for because they'll get dinged just like any Medicare provider will under a scenario where someone's readmitted to a hospital. Great, great. Um, let's see, uh, another question here, end-stage renal disease and ALS are automatic qualifier for qualifiers for Medicare. Are there any other terminal illnesses that also qualify for a person? No, no. Okay. I mean, it's, if you're disabled and get SSDI, you have to wait 24 months from your first claim. So if your, pay, if your check came in in January, say, of this year, in 24 months, you would be automatically enrolled in A and B. Um, but for kind of what instantaneous would be, depending on where you are in terms of end-stage renal, um, it could take from one to four months to actually do the enrollment, but you would be enrolled as soon as possible. 
Okay, um, and now follow up to Carolyn Wainer's original question, which was, what is the time limit for home care in part A? She says, time limit means how many days after a hospital today? So I guess there's a skilled home care coverage and how long would that last uh, after? Yeah, I, I'm not, I, you know, I'm an insurance agent. I'm not a medical provider. Um, obviously a doctor is gonna write a prescription for home health care that would be based on the client's evaluation and conditions. I, I really can't answer that as a generic or general. There's not a limit that I know of, and maybe okay. it's out there. I just don't know it. That would say you get X number of days, or I, I don't know of one. Okay. All right. Um, and then Bernie Cohen says, note to people who are on a group plan, it pays to compare the cost of leaving Medigap or Part C. The total premium costs, including Part B, may be less than what your share of the group plan premium is, plus your out-of-pocket costs. Yes, he's he's correct. It's a process that um, people would, so that earlier person had a question about their spouse. You know, if their spouse is being paid for 100% by the employer, well, you can't do anything less than zero. But if hypothetically they're paying $1,000 for that spouse, Mr. Cohen's point's absolutely valid that you would at least want to engage in a conversation to say, what would it cost me to go on Medicare? Do my doctors take Medicare? Are my prescriptions covered? And then find a plan or plans that are available to him in his area and then determine financially if it makes sense to leave the group plan to go on Medicare. That's a case, he's absolutely right. That's a case by case basis, but it, it is worth taking that time to do that exercise. Okay, great. And then uh, Carolyn Wainer says, is there any way to get a, get ballpark figures on the various combos of A, B, C, and D? Yeah, a lot, yeah, all that's, most of that's public. Well, A is for most of a zero. Um, part B, there's, I can, I'll share it here in a second. You'll see the cost for part B. Um, part D, it's all public information. Um, you can go to the Medicare plan finder to find costs on local supplement plans and Medicare Advantage plans. So all that information is public. Uh, I can just show you where. It's not a problem. I actually have a slide at the end. We'll give them websites to go to if they want. Okay, great. Well, okay. So let's see. Beverly Stickles has her hand raised. So Beverly, if uh, you have a question. Um, oh, you don't have your hand raised. She just unraised her hand. Okay. So, uh, John, there's a few more questions in chat, but why don't we move, keep on moving? Yeah, I may answer some of them here, and then, again, we'll stay on the mic as long as they need to get answers. Yeah, absolutely. And I like, uh, I like Bernie Cohen's uh, comment. She says, please tell John that my name is Bernie. My father was Mr. Cohen. <laughs> oh, well, I apologize, Bernie. Um, so... What I want to get to here, you know, this question, the timing of one of them was correct. So part B and part D penalties, because part B requires a premium. It is optional, as crazy as it sounds, somebody who may not want part B, I'm not sure why, uh, if they kind of have to enroll because they have no other benefits. But if for some reason you chose not to enroll or you delayed enrollment or, for example, missed that initial enrollment period, the federal government will say for every 12 months that you go from your first eligible date, they will charge you a 10% penalty. So I'm September. If I miss my 65th birthday and I wait a whole year, I will pay at least a 10% penalty uh, onto that part B premium. And I'll show you the premiums, how they work in a second. And if I went two years, three years, four years, five years for every 12 months, 
it's a 10% penalty. The other caveat on that is you can only enroll in what's called the general enrollment period, which goes from January 1st to March 31st of every year. So if I missed my September birthday and waited a year and said the next September I want to apply, I can't. I have to wait till January and then I wouldn't start till July of the next year. So to miss your initial enrollment period or what's called a special enrollment, we'll talk, is not a a good thing for you financially as well as medically, you could put yourself at risk of not having insurance. Um, There's also a penalty for Part D. So the person that asked about if I'm healthy at 65 and don't take any medications, um, if you don't have what's called creditable Part D coverage, so for many of us that work for large organizations, you'll get a notification uh, every October if you're over 65 that will indicate that your coverage for the upcoming year is creditable and that you can delay enrollment into Part D. However, for the rest of us, if we don't have access to creditable Part D coverage, you would then start to accumulate the penalty, which is 1% per month for every month you go without. So for example, though, to answer that woman's question on kind of a subset question, if someone had VA benefits or TRICARE, they would not need to enroll in a Part D plan because inherent to both of those programs, they do provide uh, prescription drug benefits. So there are special scenarios where someone who had FEHB they would also be able to achieve their prescription drug benefits through FEHB, even if they enroll in A and B. Um, just some good things for you to know. So for those that was asking the economic question, um, for 2021, no matter who you are, uh, up to 88,000 as an individual or 176 married, filing joint, you would pay 148.50 per month. And then based on your income, these costs escalate based on your income. These are all monthly premiums. And this is basically for an individual. So if I was married, myself and my spouse, we would each pay, say, $148.50. If we made the next level, both of us would pay $207.90, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this sometimes is a, a shock to people because they're unfamiliar with the fact that in 2011, under the Affordable Care Act, that this was... Um, ingrained into our Medicare to stabilize the Medicare finances, for lack of a better word. The IRMA uh, impacts about 5% of the people nationally. And from what I'm told, funds about 25% of the total costs um, of Part B. So it has helped stabilize the program, not being political, just, you know, that's the purpose of why they did this IRMA. Now this also for time, I won't show it, but there's a Part D, same income brackets, lower figures here, but that if you are start getting into this uh, bracket of over 111 or 222, you would pay an adjustment as well for Part D. So in a sense, no matter how you enrolled in Medicare, you would pay potentially more for B and more for D, whether you chose to buy a Medigap plan, a Medicare Advantage plan, or even if you had TRICARE or FEHB, no matter what, if you enroll in Medicare Part B, you would pay an IRMA adjustment no matter where you're getting your secondary benefits from. And then also your secondary benefits, Medicare Advantage, Medicare Supplement Part D, the actual premiums you pay to the insurance companies are not impacted by your income. This, we had a couple questions on this. I won't, uh, I won't, I'll try not to repeat myself, but the key question is turning 65, the size of your employer under 20, you have to go on Medicare as your primary payer of claims. Your concern here isn't Medicare uh, not covering. Your concern is that an insurance company can kick that claim back to you and say, 
you're over 65, you have five people in your company and that you need to be on Medicare because it's your primary payer. We are only going to be a secondary payer. Now, some companies, uh, insurance companies have opted to cover people despite being under 20. That's their option. But if you are under 20 people and approaching Medicare age, especially at 65, you want to make sure that you're contacting your insurance company to find out if they're going to be the primary payer or if you need to enroll in Medicare. Uh, I'm What I interpret it for is the federal guidelines. Again, there can be exceptions to that. The second thing is if your employer is over 20 employees, you have the option to delay your enrollment into Medicare A and B because your employer coverage is primary. And if you enroll in Medicare, I say secondary, even if you get A or B, your Medicare through your employer will be primary. Most people will enroll in part A in this scenario because it doesn't cost you anything. And if you went in the hospital, for example, your health insurance pays first and your Medicare part A would pay second. The only time that you do not want to do that is if you're funding an HSA and only an HSA, because if you enrolled in any parts of Medicare, you cannot fund a tax deductible vehicle like an HSA. So be careful if you're turning 65 and funding an HSA, you're going to have to make that decision on whether to continue funding it and not enrolling in A or enrolling in A and then not funding. I mean, it's your decision, but make sure you don't make that mistake. Um, as I said here, failure to, con to maintain creditable coverage for B&D can result in those penalties I spoke of earlier. And if you do maintain that creditable coverage, so someone works for that large employer, they create what's called a special enrollment period. Uh, there's an extra step that you need to do to apply for Medicare Part B there, but you would be able to enroll in your Medicare penalty free. And on the bottom there, there's a note that COBRA is not considered creditable coverage. So if someone gets laid off at 66 from a large company, COBRA would not be considered a primary payer of claims. Therefore, if you stayed on your COBRA, it would only address say the 20% of Part B. And then along those same lines, if you delayed enrollment into Medicare Part B because you thought COBRA was creditable, you could now put yourself in those penalty situations and it's not a good situation to be in. So be careful. Now there is legislation or there are groups rather that want to make COBRA creditable, but as it speaks today, uh, if you are offered COBRA after 65, you really should go get Medicare A and B immediately. That's my best advice for you. Um, applying during a special enrollment period, most oftentimes this is the people that are working past 65. You can do it online. There's a secure website that Medicare has developed that you can upload some documentation and do it that way. You can mail in your application to your local social security office. Under COVID, a lot of the services now are directed to the local offices that used to go to the national offices. And then assuming after COVID, you can actually go in person to your local social security office. One thing to know if you are working past 65 and going on Medicare, you want to write down that you want to acquire a completed CMS L-564 that is the form from your employer that certifies that you've had health insurance past 65 and that will avoid you getting any penalties uh, after 65. To summarize, just some important things to know, know your IEP and don't be late. I, I think I've emphasized the penalties enough. If you're receiving social security, you don't have to do anything. However, everyone else, including me, we have to take action. I think it's important, although I didn't go for time that deep into it, understand original Medicare versus Medicare Advantage and make the decision that's right for you. You may pick one solve and your husband or spouse or wife may pick another one. Perfectly fine. It's an individual decision when we get into Medicare. 
Uh, it's always important to check what your providers take. So if you are considering Medicare Advantage, which is network-based, make sure that you confirm that your doctor takes that plan. Um, also, always check your formularies and prescription drug plans, especially if looking at Medicare Advantage to make sure that your medications are covered and especially at an affordable rate. There's also a second level of that, that there are what's called preferred pharmacies that you'd wanna make sure that your pharmacy can be a preferred pharmacy in there. Uh, know your employer size if working past 65. If you know you're close to 20, you may wanna verify that with your employer and even over or under, make sure that your coverage is either creditable or not. And then again, just like today, you know, ask questions, whether it's someone uh, like us who's here locally in the community or the other services through the state or anyone you know, you know, ask your employers, ask questions, learn as much as you can about Medicare. It's an important decision that you make. Um, this is just the final thoughts. You know, we know it's confusing and frustrating. You know, people like us are here to help, you know, start early. Um, if you know you're gonna be at Medicare at 65, you know, up to six months prior to start contacting your providers to see if they participate, just gather that information. You know, again, it's an individual decision. As I mentioned earlier, select the policies that are best for you. Uh, we always encourage people with our health being paramount, you know, look at the plans that give you access to your medical care first. Um, a lot of times people are misled, uh, sadly, uh, by things that are uh, kind of like zero premiums and stuff like that. That, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. So be very wary of that. And then know your costs, you know, uh, beyond your premiums. Again, zero premium might mean something. We see it advertised on TV a lot but that doesn't mean it's necessarily gonna be the right plan for you. And on that note, last thing real quick, especially on the prescription drug plans, because some of those plans can be very inexpensive uh, with deductibles and kind of co-pays and then formulary compliance. If you don't pick the right plan, you could really leave yourself exposed to high costs. Um, lastly, uh, the, earlier someone had asked about resources like VICAP and SHIP. So we, we uh, encourage people to use all resources, whether it's ssa.gov to apply, uh, medicare.gov to get your information. Um, once you're on Medicare, mymedicare.gov is kind of your uh, go-to website for all your medical claims, tracking your deductibles. If you need to print an ID card, there's actually an app from Medicare called What's Covered. Uh, for many of you in care, you can actually download it to your smartphone, whether you're on Medicare or not, it's free, and you can search for covered services. Um, our website is a fully educational website. We do not sell anything on our website. We want to educate just like all those other websites do. We're very interested in helping people. And then again, local resources are people like ourselves and other social security offices. So that's all I have, Steve, if you want to go back to some questions. Yeah, we got lots of questions and this was really good. Um, the um, Okay, so let's jump back on the list here. Um, Melanie Dan says, I was told that since I work, I can get Part B starting the month after I retire. Is that true? That's what my rep said. One, she, one more time, she said. Um, I was told that since I work, I can get Part B starting the month after I retire. Is that true? Again, it's going to be dependent on well, I mean, when she wants to enroll is one thing, but if you're turning 65, you're going to be enrolled in that initial enrollment period based on those guidelines. If you're under a special enrollment period, you can request up to eight months from the time you leave your health plan, if it was creditable, to enroll in A and B. Um, 
you know, I don't know what you would do with any gap in coverage. One of our primary goals when we work with people is to make sure that Medicare only starts on the first of the month so that your health insurance will go up to that date you're going to start on Medicare so you have no gaps. So my concern in her question is just what would those potential gaps be? I don't want her to go one day without health insurance. Okay. And then actually she has another question here. It says, does this mean if I make over $88 after I retire a year, I pay more? Um, yeah. So it's just, you know, again, I'm not an accountant, but it's what's known as your modified adjusted gross income. So it's your full income, your gross income with deductions allowed. Um, it's a two-year look back. So if you enroll in Medicare in 2021, they would look at your 2019 earnings and based on your 2019 earnings, they would make a determination of what you'll pay this year. Now, there is an appeal process for those that may be unfamiliar with it. So if you made 100000 in 2019, but due to retirement this year, you're only going to make 50000 you can appeal that to the federal government, and they would make a determination on reducing your premium. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm not an accountant to give tax advice on her situation other than what I just gave you as far as what the facts are. Okay. But I guess if, if folks talk to you about their specific situation, you can give them the questions to ask to their financial advisor or tax person. Absolutely. Okay, great. Um, let's see, somebody says, I am over 65, but still working. How soon before I plan to retire should I enroll in Medicare? Well, again, if they have creditable coverage through their employer and it's they like their coverage and it works for them, there's no reason to leave that employer coverage until you're actually going to retire. What we typically recommend is if you know your retirement is coming to start the process of applying for Part B 90 days prior to that retirement date. So again, that you can coordinate the end of health insurance being the last day of the month and the first day of the next month, you going on Medicare. Therefore, you make a seamless transition. And then you also give your time not only to get A and B if you needed it, but to figure out if you want to supplement Medicare Advantage or prescription benefits to be your you know, benefits for Medicare. So it gives you enough time to do that. Great. Okay. And um, let's see. We've got about nine minutes left till the top of the hour. I'm recording this. John, are you cool hanging on to get us through all of these? Yeah, questions? absolutely. We love to help. Great. Sure. So just for those folks that, you know, might have a hard stop at one, we'll, we'll be sending a recording. And then also we've had several questions. Uh, would you be able to send me like a PDF of your slides that I can sure. share? Okay. Absolutely. Great. Okay. Uh, Dave Morgan, the $148.50 is deducted from your social security if you're receiving it. Um, mm -hmm. Not sure what what that refers yeah so what he's saying is if you are on social security at 65 and you're automatically enrolled you're under 88,000 or 176 uh well it's always in arrears but uh, social security would take the 148.50 out of your social security check and it would be one month in advance or back so in april if you enrolled for march they would in april take out march's payment and may take out april's and june take out may it's always a month behind. If you don't have social security payments at time that you're getting Medicare, you can set up what's called Medicare Easy Pay, which is to set it up out of a bank account, bank draft. You can also pay through your bank account. Um, it's kind of similar to any other bill, other than if for convenience, you can get it out of your social security check. Great. 
Um, okay, Bernie Cohen, not Mr. Curran. Yeah. Cohen is saying part D, even if you take no meds or just a few low cost generics, go through the part D exercise every year. If you do nothing, the insurer will likely raise your premium if you just let it roll. Re-enroll every year if you take a lot of meds. You need to re-enroll every year. Your meds may change and the insurer's formularies can change too. Yeah, so she brings up some good points that, you know, we do an annual review with every one of our clients on their prescription drug plans because things that change are formularies. So a drug could be a brand and then move to generic and they'll stop offering the brand. Um, or a new medication comes out and they're going to replace it. Now, for people that are interested in learning about formularies quickly, when a company comes into the Part D program to provide benefits, they have to provide at least two medications for every medical condition. And there's easily over a thousand conditions that uh, HHS and CMS identify. A formulary will range from 2,500 to 3,500 medications in their full formulary. So you wanna make sure that you're always making sure that your medications each year are uh, gonna be um, uh, compliant to their formulary. The other aspect of it is tier structures. Drugs can move from tier one to tier two to tier three, four, five. You always wanna make sure that they don't change. We were working with a client this year that drug went from a tier one to a tier three. And had we not done that review, instead of paying uh, hypothetically, I think it was 20 or $30 for a 90 day supply would have been 600. So you can find those situations where a change in tier. So anyway, it's a good idea. Bernie's right to check every year, your part D benefits. Great. No question. And um, I'm going to come back to this home medical blood test question because it's, it's a little bit long and try to knock out some of these other ones. Uh, yep. Debbie Ludington says, can you withdraw from an HSA for Medicare Medicaid costs? i.e. Part B premiums. Yeah, so for Medicare, Medicaid, Medicaid. yeah, Medicaid. not Medicaid. For Medicare, you can use your HSA account for everything but but Medicare supplement premiums. So deductibles, co-pays, Part B, you can use it for anything applicable, but you cannot use it to pay the Medicare supplement premium. Okay. Um, and then uh, Rondi says, if you work past 65 and your employer has less than 20 employees and you do not have company insurance, but rather you have insurance under your husband's retirement program insurance, is Medicare primary or secondary insurance? Yeah. So if she were to enroll at 65 or stay on hit, or, or just, I shouldn't say enroll, if she was to turn 65 and beyond and stay on his retiree benefit, there's nothing that says she has to leave that uh, benefit from retirement benefits. The one thing I will tell you though, is many retiree plans that are sponsored by employers do require you to still enroll in A and B. So I, I can't comment on her specific plan, but she would want to absolutely check that turning 65 may require her to enroll in A and B. It just, again, it's worth the phone call to make. I can't, I would not give any advice on that, but it's worth it for her to do some homework there. Yeah, and actually down here, Ann Coyne says, TRICARE makes people 65 uh, plus sign up for Medicare. <laughs> That's correct. Okay, um, let's see, back up to the top of the list here. Uh, again, Bernie Cohen, uh, Bernie, thanks for participating so much today. 
why would anyone stay on Cobra after 65 unless you have a crazy amount of meds? Cobra is much more expensive. Um, yeah, sometimes an employer will offer to pay Cobra. That's why. Okay. And that's still, that's still not, a, it doesn't matter that it's quote free to you. It's not what you want for health insurance. That's okay. the scary part. Okay. Uh, Carolyn Weiner asks, what percentage of people choose part C? Uh, nationally, it's one third, about 34% of the country is enrolled in Medicare Advantage and two thirds are in original Medicare. So those numbers keep increasing. They say by 2030, uh, the estimates are over 40% of people will be somehow tied to a Medicare Advantage plan. Um, but today, it's uh, those statistics from the government are about 34% are Medicare Advantage. Great. Um, Dave Morgan says, unfortunately, I tuned in late. Are you doing another one of these info sessions? Honestly, this I love it when we do things and we get this many questions. So I could see doing this on a regular basis. But um, uh, John, I, I, the best thing for Dave to do is just to give you a call or an email and do a one-on-one, -on -one, would you say? Yeah, and then we do offer monthly educational webinars. So any way we can accommodate, we'd love to. Yeah, but this has been a really good uh, Q&A session here. Uh, Bernie Cohen again, most <laughs> providers in the DC area take Medicare. We're lucky in that respect. Um, Sharon Jenkins, please repeat the name of the form when signing up during the special enrollment period yep. so that you don't incur a penalty. Yeah, it's the CMS L Larry 564, CMS L 564. 564. Okay, I just typed And if she wants, she can email me. I can send it to her. It's no big yeah. deal. And I also just, I just uh, typed that into chat. Yeah, it's a public form. You can find it. I mean, okay. Google it, you'll find it. Um, let's see. Okay, uh, Debbie cl clarifies here. Sorry, I meant to ask if you can withdraw from an HSA for Medicare cost Part B premiums. And I think you answered that. Yes, that's yes. Okay, and then... Dave Morgan says, my mother has dementia and she will need some in-house help sometimes. Does Medicare help with in-home services? Yeah, Dave, you did tune in. Late. Yeah, anything skilled. So the answer, you know, for time as well, accuracy, anything skilled, that's what Medicare covers. Anything as far as home health care, unfortunately, you know, your activities of daily living and such, today, no. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, Melanie says, sorry, one more question. I never made much money before last year, but in 2019, I made more than 88K. Don't they go over the past at all? Yeah, so it's a two-year look back. So if she were to go on Medicare in 2022, they would look at her 2020. But as I mentioned, you can appeal your Part B and Part D IRMA payment, that's what it's called, in that year you're on Medicare, if you can show documentation that your income in that year 2022 would be less than 2020, and therefore, by justifying your case, the government would review it and say, yeah, you're right, instead of paying X, we'll reduce you to the lowest cost or whatever cost would be appropriate because you've proven that you have a lower income. Oh, okay. And then um, let's see, I am going to Marianne Hansen has her hand raised, so I'm going to allow you to talk, but I'm also going to ask a, uh, Jessica says, are you able to assist individuals in Pennsylvania or New Jersey? Yes, both states we cover. Okay, 
Um, let's see here. And then uh, Bernie Cohen again, aces up on the presentation. Your, your guy is a true expert, excellent advice at every turn. That's a good compliment there, Bernie. She's very kind. Thank you. We work hard. We try. <laughs> We're always learning, though, believe me. And then uh, Sharon Jenkins says, is it worth it to sign up for Part D if you can receive medications through the VA? No, unless, yeah, so that, you know, without getting really in the weeds, Steve, I, you know, I want to give her the right advice. Unless there was a medication or medications that for some reason were cheaper on the Part D program, you know what I'm saying? Something that truly, because you're going to pay a premium, some situation where it's truly beneficial economically, that would be the first reason to do it. But if that's not the reason, she doesn't need it. And then the second thing, which used to be an issue, but not so much more, would be access. As you can remember, years ago, you used to have to go to the VA to get your prescriptions. So years ago with Part D that could potentially mail order it or, or make local access better. But with that being resolved by things like VA and TRICARE, you know, I, I, I don't know a situation in all years I've done it where someone's on VA or TRICARE and gotten Part D. I don't, again, I don't mean to speak that generically all the time, but I've yet to see a case where it made sense. Okay, great. And now, uh, Marianne, Hanson, your uh, microphone is open. You had a question? Okay, okay yes, I do. Um, I uh, started Medicare in 2000. And uh, now, and I'm on uh, Part B. And I'm wondering if um, when I started it, the price was a certain amount. Would it change at this point? Yeah, so every year in November, you will get a statement from the government, from Social Security, Medicare, that will indicate your cost for the upcoming year. And it will detail your Part B premium, the Part B deductible. And then if there was Part A, if you had to pay for Part A, some people actually pay for Part A. And it would discuss Part D, Irma, if you're also going to be responsible for additional payments. So November is when you'll know for 2022 any changes. So last year... Part B was 144.60. This year it's 148.50. I couldn't tell you what it's going to be next year. The deductible last year was 198. This year it's 203. Okay, but I would stay the same with the 148. At no, it goes up every year. That's what I was trying to explain oh, okay. to you. Okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. Right. I don't know what the number. I, what I was saying is I could tell you last year was 140. What did I just say? 144.60. This year it's 148.50. Gotcha. I'm just making up next year could be just a round number 155. I don't know what it's going to be, but you'll get that statement in November of every year. You have to, okay. I mean, it's, it's required. Okay. okay. I, I don't ever remember getting it, but that's just if you easy. have an SSA.gov account or a mymedicare.gov account, you can see all those oh, costs. Okay. All right. Great. Not now, a problem. Uh, also, John, uh, could I have your email again? It's John at Medicare what? Medicareportal.org, P-O-R-T-A-L dot O-R-G. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you for your time, enjoy your day. Yeah. You too. And, and just for everybody, I'm gonna send a recording. I'm gonna send John's contact information, the tr chat transcript, uh, we're gonna, save this to podcast as well and um and and john you're going to send me your powerpoint so i can yeah 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 okay let's see let's uh let's the, just a few more questions here and then we'll wrap things up 
Karen Brown says, if a person who is FEHB turned 65 in October, 2020 and enrolled in March, 2021, is there a penalty for late enrollment? Not, 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 no. Okay. Doesn't okay. sound like it. Wait, she said her birthday was when? Oh, shoot, no. October? Uh, hold on, no, she, where are we at? A person who turned 65 in October, 2020 and enrolled in March, 2021. Yeah, so the question is from October to March, were they still active at work? Because as long as they're active from FEHB, their health insurance is primary, which is creditable. It's the federal government views it as when you retire that you're no longer health insurance uh, primary. So you part B clock starts under that special enrollment period. So under her IEP turning 65 in October, technically she's outside of her IEP, but if she was working during that time, she wouldn't get a penalty. Great. Okay, so now I'm gonna, I've, I've, I hope this person is still on. It's a longer question, but it's, it, it will kind of wrap things up with this. Um, it says, home medical blood tests, company not a Medicare provider, but explained and the doctor says the patient and the customer can pay first for the test and then send documentation of payment to Medicare and, and Medicare will pay and reimburse for what was paid for the test. Can you comment on whether this is correct? Concerns about going to have blood drawn during the coronavirus, but these home medical test companies say you can self-prick yourself for blood similar, blah, blah, blah. So any, any, um, any thoughts on this, uh, John? Yeah, you know, and I, I, you know, I always stand firm. You know, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. As far as medical care and medical billing and things along those lines with Medicare, obviously, um, we get involved sometimes on claims processing and things, but when you start going outside, I mean, what we always tell consumers is when you're on Medicare to confirm that they are a Medicare provider, because technically, if they're not a Medicare provider, there's no fee schedule for them to bill under. There's no way they can bill Medicare because Medicare is not going to recognize them as being an, a, a, an approved provider for Medicare. So at baseline, I'm not sure how you would get a non-Medicare service covered by Medicare. And the other thing I'll say, and I'm not accusing anybody, but you know, under COVID, Medicare, so if you're a Medicare beneficiary is covering 100% of your testing from uh, COVID and your vaccination. So my point is it's a legitimate program. For people that are, you know, there's a lot of fraud, sadly, and I'm not saying this person's fraudulent. I'm just saying you have to be very careful. I mean, people, there are ads that go out, like if you pay, you can reserve your spot for a shot. Well, we all know that's bogus. So you just want to be very careful on, you know, when people are accessing care. That's why we always say ask questions, um, make sure they're approved providers. I mean, it's a, I wish I could give more of an answer here other than my concern for, you know, people being misled for medical care. It just, you know, it scares me to think that it's out there, but it's real. Um, but I can't answer that question with an accurate, you know, yay or nay or, or, or some kind of factual direction I could lead them, unfortunately. Okay. Um, well, well, we've, we've definitely gone over the hour. This was fantastic. Uh, I love it when we have these discussions and we get this much audience feedback. Um, I'm going to connect with you, John, and maybe this will be a monthly session because these are questions that people always have. And so there's a whole new group of people that are going to have questions next month that weren't able to tune in this month. So um, uh, let's see if we can maybe put something together. And um, 
So thanks for your time today and thanks to the audience. I will be following up with everybody later this afternoon. Um, hey, Steve, I appreciate your time. Yeah, really enjoyed. I mean, I love what I do and it's great to share. Uh, I'm glad that we had the Q&A. That's always the most fun for me. <laughs> yeah, and actually here, Melanie Dan's raised her hand at the last minute. Yeah, and, go ahead. And let's see if she didn't do that by accident. Melanie, unmute your mic and you can you can be our send off here. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I said I lied that I did have one more question. And the question that I had, I would really like if it's OK to work with you. Is that OK? I wanted to find out what your hours of operation were. 24 seven. I'm a workaholic, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. So you're my kind of guy. I mean, because I because I wanted to work on this on the weekend. I didn't know if you had any time at all on that time because I have all the. Yeah, I usually days. work Saturday mornings. I'll work Saturday mornings, but Saturday kind mornings. of the rest of the week. Yeah, I just I mean, I have to I work probably 70, 80 hours a week as it is anyway. But uh, if you want, Melanie, I'll give you my cell phone. You can always text me. Please, so, please, please, please. I just put it in the chat, the the chat for this, you know, uh, presentation here oh, you'll you see my it? yeah i put it to you do you see right. my cell phone 703-628 wait a minute i'm just going to write it down 703 yep 628-7149 just text me or call me i'm okay. always available 703-628-7149 i'll call you this saturday morning then because i be fantastic I, i'm on the i'm on the hunt and on the trail right now so that's yeah, why I was we'd love to help you melanie believe me we'd Thank love to help time. God bless you. you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Yeah. All Appreciate right. It. Well, that was a great way to uh, to finish things off, John. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, we will be following up with everybody later. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, Steve. It was a lot of fun. You bet. Talk to you soon. You bet.